0: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
1: Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast here, and today we've got a special go-to-market episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Jordan Crawford, who is the co-founder and CEO of Blueprint Go-To-Market. Jordan is a demand gen and go-to-market expert, and I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. Okay. Here's a go-to-market episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Jordan Crawford from Blueprint GTM.
2: Hello, marketers. My name is Jordan Crawford from Blueprint, and this week we're going to discuss how to accelerate your pipeline. Joining me again this week is Nicholas Thicket, who is the managing partner at Aligned, which builds social selling playbooks for tech companies and works with their sales teams to accelerate lean revenue growth. Yesterday, Nicholas and I talked about accelerating your pipeline with comments, and today we're going to continue the conversation by discussing social selling for compounding SaaS growth. Okay, here's my conversation with Nicholas Thicket, the managing partner at Aligned. Welcome back, Nicholas. How are you today? Great. Long time no see. How's it going? It's been a huge amount of time since we last had a conversation. And to pick up the thread from our last chat, we were talking about how to accelerate your pipeline with comments, right? And now we're going to talk about social selling for compounding your growth. So first, I would like to start off, define what the hell social selling is. I've heard about it. Does that mean connecting with people cold on LinkedIn and selling your product? Is that social selling, Nicholas? Really, what social selling is about is
3: earning trust at scale to have people come to you when they need you. So really, it's more of a marketing play, that hybrid between marketing and sales, where you become self-sufficient. And by doing that, you're building a community around yourself of people that you're raising the bar with. They're coming with you on that journey. They're learning. They're getting better with each post. They're diving deeper into that conversation with each comment. And when it comes time, they know that you are the person that can help them dot the I's and cross the T's to get that promotion or to get that big win. So they call you or they shoot you a DM and say, hey,
2: Jordan, I'm ready. So what I'm hearing you say is that you need to create a pod. Basically, who are the folks that are in your crew? Are they all at your company? Are they outside your company? Who is this pod? And how exactly do you find that sort of group of people that believe in you and believe in the problems that you're solving? There's a few different things to unpack in that one. And part of it is great companies do this as a
3: team. And it's an employee advocacy program where they're doing it in unison, but everybody has their own voice. And everybody's building their own community, doing it together. And with that, they know who they need to talk to, they know who they need to connect with, and they know who they can offer the most value to. And depending on people's background and experience, that could be different roles, that could be different levels. But what happens too often is people just create this big circle with their competitors, and they just talk to each other on LinkedIn, because they don't build a network of an audience that needs them. So what you need to do is you need to have influencers that those people already trust, that you actually bounce ideas back and forth and collaborate and work together. You need the end users of your product, you need the decision makers, and you need to be creating content that dives into their day to day and build a community where they feel safe to ask you tough questions and for you to support them. And then of course, you have your team members where you're bouncing ideas off each other. And what you're doing is you're diving deeper into those conversations, and you're making them more relevant and easier to find. So they don't have to go and click on that ebook and give away all their names and numbers and, you know, sign up for the generational follow me plan on their nurture (laughs) sequence. They can just have the conversation right there and then, and they can also tag other people, which adds more credibility, makes you more likable and adds social proof. So it actually compounds with every post and every comment. And that's why you see SDRs that normally when they were just hitting the phones and emails, they were booking five to 10 meetings a week, where now they're booking 40 to 80 meetings a month, in which only 10 to 20% are they doing outbound, the rest is coming inbound, because they built a community around themselves,
2: and they've done it as a team with their company. I want to unpack that specifically. So you talk about building this as a team. So let's envision a scenario where there's an SDR, there is a head of growth, and there is a VP of marketing. It sounds like what you're talking about is that those folks would interact with different levels of an account to build sort of a cohesive unit to go after an account or this pod. Can you unpack what that looks like at different levels and how we think about targeting in this world? Because That's the thread of our last podcast was that targeting really matters. So talk to me about the levels here and how we think about targeting in this world.
3: So say, Jordan, you had the VP of sales at a big company reach out to you. Would you rather talk to them in a senior role or an SDR? Well, VP of sales every day of the week. Because people like us do things like this. What you'll notice is that VP of sales, director of sales, VP of marketing, that's who their networks are because they're peers. And for a lot of SDRs and junior roles because they can't step into their shoes and they don't know them well enough, they don't post content that resonates with them because they don't understand their world. This is why having a team motion to tackle this is that you unlock doors that other people can't. And then you bridge the gap where it makes your SDRs and your juniors more approachable. It gives them a voice and it has a compounding effect that ripple through each level because everybody's adding a different piece to the
2: puzzle. And that's what really accelerates deal flow as well. This makes a bunch of sense to me. What you're saying is that if you're a VP of sales, you're going to have better empathy for other VPs of sales. If you're an SDR, you're going to have empathy for what other SDRs are going through, right? But how do we think about targeting in this world? Unpack how I think about going after the right people, because some people aren't on LinkedIn. It doesn't matter if I want to have a conversation with the VP of sales at Drift, if that person is not actually posting on LinkedIn, I looked at their posts, So what is the best version of targeting to start to build those pods of networks at my title level? Not
3: everybody uses social media, like you said, and different industries use it differently. So part of it is also scoring the channel and knowing where people show up and where they get their information. For example, some of the projects that we worked on, engineers love Reddit. It's really easy to jump in the threads and the subreddits and actually get a hold of those people and have conversations. But what you got to do is based on that level, you need to get to know them and show up where they already are. So targeting sometimes is the Google search. The goal is to do as little manually and then use something like sales Nav or sales intelligence tool to find more, but not automating the outbound or the outreach necessarily. It's to go and gather that data at scale and find them like you do so well. And then that way, when you go and reach out to them, you can build your community in the right place because they're not on LinkedIn, maybe they're on Twitter, or maybe they're somewhere else, you got to figure out where people actually active. And some VPs, you got to remember, they started out in junior levels, and maybe they built that following originally on Instagram, or they built that following on Twitter. Once you know that, and you know that their peers that they're talking with their peers on that platform, that's where you show up. And that's where you build your community. And what you will want to do is take not just one bet, maybe two, max three, And you can take that content, put it on another platform and keep building your community side by side because people will go back and forth. And that allows you as one platform phases out that you have another platform growing with you like people are doing with TikTok right now.
1: A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview.
2: One of the challenges that I see often is picking the wrong channel for the wrong persona. Engineers, like you mentioned, we found out they're not on email as frequently as they are in a place like Stack Overflow. So how do I know what channel to start with in social should I start with TikTok? Should I start with LinkedIn? How do I think about growth of that channel as part of my strategy? Break down some heuristics that you use to help determine that. Honestly, the simplest way to do this, it takes more time up front is
3: customer interviews, just do market interviews. And unfortunately, the best way to do this is not to record them because people love to be candid when they're not recorded. Wow. I've tried this, I've done almost 100 so far. And I went and broke it up, trying different experiments with my questions and how I was recording and not recording. They were very raw and real with me. And one of my questions was, what is your go-to place when you're researching something? Whether it's social media or something else, where do you like to spend your time with your peers? What do you do when they say the phone book?
2: I use the phone book for research. Like, all right, well, I guess you can't do social selling then. (laughs) Honestly, there are some executives,
3: older executives that they go to their phone. And if you do not have their mobile number and they don't know you, it's kind of that old saying about the old boys club, you're in or you're not. There is no in between, but that's a good thing to know because now, you know, you have to route in, okay, who do I need to know that they trust that is more accessible than they are? That might even be a faster way to get in because now you get social proof. If they start singing your graces to this person, do you think they're going to take a meeting? Well, they'll probably take a meeting. Plus they'll be more open to you because
2: somebody validated you to them. Yeah, or you have to learn golf. I think that's the other path here. You just get really good at golf. I will attest. You don't necessarily have to learn golf because I am horrible at golf, (laughs) and I still made it work. Well, when can I make the call that I should make an investment in a particular channel? When do you feel confident? It's like great. I have seen that X amount of buyer personas are talking on this channel. Or how do you know if there's a whole thing of lemonade or just a little bit of lemon juice? What I do is doing
3: manual research at first. I start putting out content, and I'll start commenting on their stuff first. And I want to see do they engage. So I want to figure out where they're actually active. That is the key, whether at minimum once a week, and I time to see how quickly they get back to me. This is part of my testing. And I was saying even with LinkedIn, when I post those first 100, are they the right people engaging? If not, it might not be the right platform. People are doing this with TikTok, people are doing it with Reddit, they're looking to see how react or how Once you find that you're getting five to 10 people per post, that's the time you want to double down. I will warn you, depending on how much effort you're putting into that channel outside of posting, this can take three to six months to figure out. If you're doing it faster and you're diving in, you're talking to people and you're doing your customer interviews and you're investing more in it, it takes less than a month. But the more passive you try to do this, the longer it takes. And this is why most companies won't do it is because they try to take a passive approach. They know some of those people are on there. They post some generic content and then it fizzles out in less than 30 days. And like, hey, show me the metrics. No metric, pull investment. We're not doing it anymore. Social's a waste of time.
2: That's what I want to dive into here. Tell me the sort of one, two, three. I'm an SDR. I show up to work. I got a quota to hit. What are the things that I can do to operationalize this today? What could I do in the next five days to really start my approach here? What does that process look like? Are we assuming that
3: they've already done their customer interviews and they know their customers well? Or are we starting right from ground zero? We
2: should start from ground zero. You've been hired day one. From the conversations I've had at the SDRs, the path that I see often is they join and then they've got some time if it's a mid-market sale, they've got a month, maybe two, maybe three, but they're not really trained super crazy on the product or the market or the space. So if I'm an SDR, let's make the assumption that my company hasn't done all of that work for me. What as just one person should I do next? I'll give the advice I've
3: given to a few other SDRs that I know can't do win-loss analysis and they won't give them time to do customer interviews. What you want to do is you want to build an account list on SalesNav of your existing customers you've won. You want to go and take the closed lost accounts and turn that into another list. And then you want to build another list on those prime accounts they're telling you to target. What you want to do is you want to go and look at the one accounts, what are all the names that are mentioned in the CRM put them in a separate lead list under close one. On the close loss, do the same thing, figure out all those different people you were talking to, reach out to them and understand what got in the way of buying and see how they explain what you do and see how it lines up with the case studies on your website. Do they explain it the right way? Was it explained wrong? Was it bad timing? Really understand what went wrong. The last one is go build out those lead lists in those accounts that you're targeting and start to connect with them and get into the comments first. First 30 minutes every day, comment, go on SalesNav, go to the homepage because you have your lead list built. Just comment, set a timer to 30 minutes. And what you'll start to notice by doing this for the first two weeks, you'll see themes. Once you start to see the themes, take those themes and turn them into content. Rinse and repeat. I will say there is one caveat to this working, and that is vampire sales. What is vampire sales? Well, by folklore, vampires couldn't come into your home unless they were invited don't pitch unless you're invited. Show them that you know them. Show them that you're going to help them. Every time you invest into someone and you put enough effort in, they always ask you, so how can I help you? What do you do? It always happens if you're patient. Well, the thing is, even if they don't need you then, nine out of 10 times, they'll refer you to someone. And this is how you compound on that growth because now you can start adding to that list. One thing I will say is it's really easy to lose track of conversations in LinkedIn or any social platform. So one of the best things you can do is people that have passed the rule of three, that you've commented back and forth three times or on multiple occasions that they're always responding to you, connect with them. Once you connect with them, list them as a prospect or put them somewhere where you can come back and visit them. So in LinkedIn SalesNav, I put them as prospects. I do not put those in the CRM until they book a meeting. And this way I can use that compounding trust that I've built and I'm building in public with them. The moment that you book a meeting, usually they don't want to go and keep contributing to that. It's because now they're focused on working with you one-on-one for their own personal gain or for the company or their customer. So it changes the relationship that you have. And then they're not open to you working with them again until that project closes. If it closes because you met the promises that you made and they saw real value in your product. So this is where the gap happens and social selling turns into selling on social because they lose this momentum by not riding the wave of credibility and using the algorithm to their advantage by commenting.
2: Amazing. I think the lesson I've learned here is that if you can follow your own existing customers on LinkedIn, you know what they're talking about. And you hear all of the things that are on their mind day to day If they're on the channel that you're social selling on, that you're going to get all this free information just showing up on LinkedIn, and it's going to be incredibly valuable. Okay, that wraps up this guest-hosted episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Benjamin Shapiro for having me this week, and Nicholas Thicket, managing partner at Align, for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Nicholas, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. And you can connect with him on Twitter, where his handle is N-T-H-I-C-K-E-T-T, or visit his company website at getalignd.co. Thank you so much for listening to this final episode of the MarTech Podcast. Okay, that wraps up this go-to-market episode of the
1: MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Jordan Crawford, the CEO of Blueprint, for being our go-to-market guest host. If you'd like to get in touch with jordan you can find a link to his linkedin profile in our show notes you can contact him on twitter his handle is invent it or fix it or you could visit his company's website which is blueprintgtm.com just one more link in our show notes i'd like to tell you about if you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests